Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bamdad listeners. Today I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers and we are going to talk about mentorship. Okay, Dr. Rockers, so you start with mentorship because I know you have done it and you've been a great mentor um, for many people, especially Dr. Alexandrati, who is not here. And I'm sure if she wa- he was here, he would have said a lot because in your absence, he always says how much you have learned um, from you. And uh, I'm glad today we're talking about mentorship because of your experience and also of being a very good mentor. Well, Alex is very kind. He came to me more than 10 years ago when I was working. He was one of the first people that I mentored. And I realized as I was working with him how much I enjoyed it. And the key on getting a mentor, if you think about mentor, let's back up and define what is a mentor. Because it's kind of like this can be a formalized thing in a lot of jobs. And most of the time, it's the best way it works out is when they're not formalized, but they're part of the program. A mentor, I think of as an advisor and sounding. I would not push it so far as somebody who to do, but helps you sort through things and understand better. That's what a mentor. No matter what job you've got or what situation in life you've got, someone has probably dealt with such a situation. Mm -hmm. We are learning that in a lot of ways currently with the explosion of the internet and Mm -hmm. people don't know how to do something, they Google. You look or look for a YouTube video. If I don't know how to replace this drain in my bathtub, you can find some videos that somebody has recorded how to do that and what to. So that's a form of mentoring in a way. It's kind of an anonymous mentoring. But I think that human connection is such an important piece. We want to find somebody who understands us, is accepting of us, but also can help us sort through some things. So for some people, a mentor is going to be an on-the-job person. For some people, a mentor might be a psychologist or a mental health professional. For some people, a mentor is an uncle or an aunt or a grandfather. People, a father is a mentor or a mother. is Anybody can be a mentor. It's just somebody who can help us think about things or look at things and understand things in a different way. That's the way I look at my role as far as being men. I have lots of ideas for people, and I think that's one of my own personal strengths. But beyond that, I believe it is it's somebody who can help us look at things, sort through, and celebrate our victory. Yeah, and then when you mentioned grandfather, grandmother, it's not someone, let's say, it's just about the education. It could be experience. Um, for me, always, uh, mentorship is the expertise of the field, but um, also someone who has garnered, uh, you know, their wisdom for years, like even when you mentioned grandfathers um, or grandmothers can be great mentors that came to my mind. Someone who's advocate for our cause, you know, um, you know like, for example, let's say some many people petition, campaign, and those actually are the advocates for a cause, their mentor, you know, and then uh, the one who really listens to your concern. I always look at that. Um, and, and of course, if someone is expert in the field that you're trying to learn, um, it's a great help to show you the way. Um, and, and we're talking about Alex and you, 
I think um, the way he shared many times, he never thought of even um, become a psychologist, but um, he actually really learned from you and, and um, you opened the, the door for him to become a psychologist and to be a successful psychologist. One of the things that he's brought up that I think was an interesting, I really didn't think much about it until he brought it up, was he has stated that he was, when he came to that job, I was working in that job as the director, and this was at a pain clinic, and he came just as part of his graduating from college, undergraduate. And he was surprised when we went through some sessions, he sat in on group sessions. Then we would always take a walk afterwards. And I would ask him, well, what do you think would have been a good thing to do there? But I was trying to get his opinion. And I, that seems to have made an impression on that I would value his thoughts on what we were doing. It doesn't cost anything to ask somebody a question like that. And you never know what kind of good ideas you might get from hearing that. So to me, it just made sense. Like, why wouldn't I, Kim? The other thing, too, is as a mentor for him, there's no other way I was going to learn where he was, right? What level is he thinking at? If I don't ask him his questions, ask him those questions. If I just start off by, well, this is how we do this and this is this, it can be a lot of wasted time. It probably comes from my own feelings of interactions. Like it bugs me if I go to the doctor and they don't check in with who I am okay. first, or it bugs me if they don't check to see how much I already know about this thing that maybe we're doing first. Because I spent several years in the chronic pain field, but very closely connected with physical medicine. And there's a fair amount I know about that. So if I'm entering in with a, my own pain condition and asking them, it's kind of nice if they take the time to check in with and see where I am. A lot of a lot of them didn't do that. Haven't done that. That's so part of part of mentor then it's what you said earlier, Side A, and that is somebody who listens to you, somebody who connects with you, who accepts you. Yeah, and humbleness. I think when what you did with Alex was your humbleness. That as you said, you could have been a person to say, you know, this is how we do it rather than that and also think about it even you could have fake it and even though you wanted to know how you did you know what i mean but you were talking about imposter again you had that but you showed it you asked you know what i mean mm -hmm. rather than acting like you know Okay, you're here to learn. This is how we do things. But you ask him to know where he is with your um, action. Yeah, we need to be curious. We need to learn. We yeah. need to be open to learning. You know, I'm learning to do that. And I think you have been a great mentor in that for me too, because you always ask questions and you want to know. And I just thought, you know, you don't speak too much. You always have the shortest and you make the points, only talk about certain things, but um, you always ask questions to learn and you listen. And this has been a learning thing for me as well since we've been working together. Because when I came to professional uh, psychology from education, uh, so I was new to the field, but you took that apprehension you took that 
um, worry and anxiety about the new profession. Um, when I walked into the first meeting that we had for the Psychological Association, you welcomed and you didn't act like, okay, I am a child here that doesn't know anything. And now you can just act like you've been here for so long. And now you can just, you know, act differently towards me to make my anxiety even more. But my experience was um, that you just welcomed and you didn't act like, oh, I know so much more, uh, but you were listening and you were asking questions. And I think it's so important to be in an environment that those that they know more, they welcome you and they don't act like they know too much and you don't know anything, you know. So um, within my experience, uh, you have been a great mentor for many people that I know. But also I've been observing you, anything you do, you really ask questions, you want to know how you do it, you want to know how they feel. And my experience with a good mentorship for myself in education has been the person I talked to you many times about that um, she was very, very humble. She never said anything like she know it. Uh, and even if you made some mistakes, or even if you could have done something better, she mentioned it humbly, you know, she always said something like, have you thought of, you know, this? Uh, have you tried this? You, you know what I mean? It was like a question, not that, hey, you need you needed to do that, or this wasn't, you know, the right way. That's such a great way to approach it. Have you thought of this or that thing? Because that's, it's a subtle difference from saying, why don't you try it this way? Because why don't you try it this way makes an assumption that this person has not tried it this way or doesn't know about that. And, but if they say, well, have you thought about blah, 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 that's checking in with them to get their knowledge and get where they are before you jump in. And it's also making a suggestion too. It's a very nice way to do that. Yeah. And, and um, you know, in the, sometimes it's a style of leadership or mentorship of someone um, matches your personality, you go by that. And I think um, even this person that we're talking about, there were people that they were straightforward, they're very directive. They didn't like it. They thought she just goes around and put the food into uh, your mouth rather than a straightforward. But I really liked it because I know we are very sensitive creatures. We are very sensitive people. And it is so important not to really make a person face with sort of anxiety or face with um, just guilt. And the way you put it that way, it makes it more sense. Because if you are um, conscientious, and if it's common sense, and you have common sense, you get it. I mean, you don't have to be so directive and think that they don't get it if you say it this way. You know what I mean? People have common sense. They, they get it. And they have feelings. It's nice if somebody checks in with me first to see where I am, as opposed to just making some assumption. Because then they're looking at me as an individual instead of looking at me as just yet another person where they don't care about. Yes, absolutely. It's a way, too, of engendering trust, of building trust. 
And in a mentor, we need to have trust. We need to be able to trust that this person, that what they say is not bogus. It's not, it's, it is true. And they wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. We need to have trust. Also the trust, there's a lot of talk about psychological safety nowadays in organizational psychology and organization psychological safety. I don't necessarily agree with the current definition of psychological safety, at least one that I've read recently, but we do need to have the safety to know that we're not going to be mocked or that our mentor will trust us. So we need to have some sort of sense of safety with our mentor. So who you find as a mentor, mentors come and go. Some mentors will stay for a long time. It's okay. We just might need different mentors at different points in our life. Like I think when, uh, when I started being in education field, the first thing we always talked about for the kids was they have to feel psychologically safe. And I always thought that this probably means that they have to feel comfortable wherever they are at in their learning, wherever they're at in their situation. You have to welcome them. And they have to feel like they belong. So my thinking of psychological safety um, and my interpretation always was that feeling that they're accepted, feeling they're respected, you know, because I know in learning field and in education, you if you don't do that, especially the kids at certain age, you're blocking their, their brain from learning because the anxiety takes over and they're not going to learn. And I feel like this, if you expand it in every part of life, it is true because I always imagine myself in different situations where, you know, when you're accepted, when you're respected, when um, you feel comfortable, you can talk, you can um, learn, you can, your mind is open, your brain is open for learning. But otherwise, you're just dealing with your anxiety, dealing with not feeling safe. Yeah, you don't have to have your mask up. You can just be yourself. Absolutely. So let's just have a short break and come back to continue our conversation about uh, mentorship. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من به همراه همکارم دکتر دانیل راکرز امروز در خدمتون هستیم و داریم در مورد منترشپ یعنی اینکه یک کسی که یه مقدار مهارت و سکیلز مهارت هایی داره که میتونه کمک کنه به کسی که تازه وارد یک زمینه شده در کارش و همینطور یک شخصی در زندگی عادی میتونه یه راهنمای خوبی باشه و اون میتونه بعض وقتا پدر بزرگ مادر بزرگ باشن و یک صحبت هایی با بچه ها بکنن که چقدر راه های بازی رو بهشون نشون بدن و کمک بزرگی در زندگیشون بشن ما صحبت در این مورد زیاد داریم و روزهای شنبه و شنبه به زبان انگلیسی صحبت میکنیم بعد از بریکمون برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو راجبه منتر و منترشیپ ادامه میدیم با ما باشید
we are back with Dr. Daniel Rockers, uh, and we are continuing our conversation about mentor and mentorship. Dr. Rockers, I remember in 2017, Gallup um, had a survey, you know, at work, we had always Gallup um, in our organization, and I was uh, always subscribed with their um, surveys in different aspects of work. And I remember in 2017, Gallup had a survey that three out of 10 employees strongly agreed that their opinion doesn't count at work. And when you think about this, it's really, um, you know, it's really sad to think about that, that you have that feeling of rejection. You, you just have that feeling of your word is not counted and that's why your opinion doesn't count. So when you think about it, you go back to the mentorship, to the leadership. Something is not working in many organizations and it takes really time, even though with all these surveys, with all this, you know, organizational psychology that now it's uh, in place in many organizations. And we know we have uh, so many um, material and so many content when you become a psychologist about the uh, psychological organization, especially the as we have newer materials, it's more into uh, organizational leadership. With all this, we know still uh, there's a long way to go everywhere internationally. What do you? What are you thinking is the number one thing? Like, what would you place at the top of the list on that? I would say psychological safety. I think in an environment that you don't feel you're safe, you don't. Um, share your opinion because you're afraid. You're afraid to be judged. You or maybe, maybe I think more so is psychological safety. But the other thing I would say is the imposter um, feeling. You know, the the phenomenon of imposter is huge. But that plus the environment safety because I think about again back to the classroom thing. If you are a very good teacher, you know your content area, you're standing there with the complete knowledge of the content you're teaching. But if the kids sitting there don't feel psychologically safe, they're not respected as when they walk into your classroom, you're not standing at the door with a smile, greet them. You're not there to tell them you're welcome to my classroom. You're just standing in front of the class. You are talking and you are, um, you know, just not really uh, sharing what the kids need to learn and many things. I don't want to get into that. But I feel like if the kids don't feel safe, they just sit quietly until the bell rings and they leave. And I don't know how much they learn. I've faced so many classrooms that even when the kids came to my classroom, they shared. So-and-so doesn't even allow us to say a word. They just teach and they leave. You know, they share that because they feel comfortable with you, you know. Um, so I, I really think uh, the trust, the psychological safety everywhere just gives you the courage to say what you think to say. And I personally share this from my experience. I have gone through several executive directors. As a manager, I worked in my career with three, four of them. The one that I felt so comfortable with 
because she was giving this psychological safety, created that in the environment. I was very safe to say whatever I felt because I knew it's not going to work against me. But in other um, situations where the executive directors were different, I never felt safe to share openly my opinion. I may have said it differently or maybe on email or maybe on one-on-one, but I didn't feel that safety to say it. But when you know that you're supported, your back is safe, you say it regardless of whether it's taken or not, but at least you know you have that option of sharing your own opinion. There's something about sharing your opinion with somebody and knowing it will be considered, I believe, as opposed to trying to argue you out of it or there's something about at least someone listening and considering your ideas or your opinion. That's so important because as you were talking, I was thinking about you could present, you might feel safe to present your ideas, but if that person continually says, no, we can't do it because of this, or no, that's not going to work because of this, then pretty soon you will quit presenting ideas. True. That is very true. Um, So then again, back to mentorship and back to leadership. Um, You may even say it because sometimes the organization doesn't have that opportunity to do what you want or what you are asking, but that can be even responded differently. Like, you know, your idea is uh, is really um, great, but in our organization, maybe we can think um, differently from and bring some of your opinion into that. I mean, there's so many ways you can look at things. And if you're completely off, it's different. But if your heart is with the organization, you have ownership, now you really are jazzed and you're really into it to make this organization going and and you know that your opinion, because you're not just saying from your guts, but you know the depth of the customers Uh, Like, for example, in our organization, our customers were our students and our parents. When you knew what they want and you knew that if you do this for the students and parents, that's what they want and that's who we need to focus on. But then maybe, yes, at that point, the organization can do what you're asking for the parents and the students to do. But it's different the way they respond. At one point, they may just say, oh, no, you know, we can't do that because this is not what our organization is about and this, this, this. But they can they, they can see that, yes, this is, um, you know, the true customers and that should be our focus. And, and yes, we appreciate that you think of those customers so much and maybe we get to a point that we can do this, but at this point, our organization doesn't have that capacity to provide these things for those students and parents that you really have your heart and soul into their success and they want them to do this. You know what I mean? It's like different way of responding. Yeah, it would be a, a good, as opposed to saying that's not going to work or we can't do that here, which I've heard a number of times and it's very frustrating for me. If somebody would say, you know what, I like that idea. That's a very good idea. Now it's an advanced idea and it's further than where we are right now in the organization. In order to get to that place, 
we first need to do X, Y, and Z. So let's not get rid of that idea. Let's keep your idea because I like it. And let's see if we can't lay the groundwork so we can get to where we commit that idea. Something like that would be really great to hear. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think most people aren't thinking that far ahead or thinking visionary, vision-wise, thinking that far out that they can get it in place. But you, you are so right. It is so important how one's opinions are received. If they're just blown off, pretty soon you're going to, that's turning off the, the faucet. Mm-hmm. Not going to, stuff's not going to pour out anymore. Yeah. And any opinion counts, I think. And even though, honestly, sometimes it might be completely off, um, or at least to your mind at that point, but you still have to receive it well. Because this is how this person is, is thinking about something. It's not like, no, 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 no. This is not the way it is. Maybe there are some facts that that person is not quite right about those facts. You can mention the facts and uh, sort of convince the person that this is the fact and you're understanding the fact differently, but it's com- different conversation. But sometimes it's like completely, you know, you're putting that person out of the, you know, equation because this person's opinion is completely off. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're stomping on them, stomp on their ideas, stomp on the person. You know, whereas a good way, good place, this is related, I find language wise, a good place to get ideas on how to respond to people is if you look at some of the older Victorian or Regency era novels like Jane Austen, some of those novels, they have a lot of dialogue in those. And it is just very courteous how they respond. And in their responses, a lot of times they are acknowledging the correctness of the other's opinion, as well as then stating their own. Like one thing I remember, I wrote this down because it was one of the, I can't remember which book it was from, but it was, she was saying, Louisa, I am sure your picture is very exact of what you've described, but my impression is entirely different. It is this. So it was kind of a nice way of just laying it out and saying, I think what you're seeing is probably right on the money. However, my interpretation is slightly different, and this is my thing. And I think that's nice. It's a nice to acknowledge the other person's where they are and then come back and state your own. And uh, also, uh, I was thinking of the book Mindset. In one of the chapters, it's very interesting. Dr. Dweck talks about the parents who, for example, uh, there's an example that the the kid is registered, is uh, registered to go to a preschool. And then as the mother walks the child to the preschool, they meet the teacher. And as they're going through the hallway, there are so many pictures on the hallways. And then the kid says, um, who has done this ugly picture? And then uh, the mother says, you don't say that. You never judge about people's painting. And then the teacher really understands what the child is saying. And the teacher says, you know, um, there are different ways of doing things here. And the kid feels very comfortable. And the reason Dr. Dweck talks about that is the child is actually saying that, so if someone draws ugly pictures, 
would their name be on it? So the child is actually questioning about his own and wants to feel safe here. And then as again, they're walking through the preschool to see different parts, the kid sees some of the toys that are broken and says, who has broken these toys? And then the mother says, what does it make? What difference does it make for you? You don't know anybody here. So please don't ask these type of questions. And then the teacher says, the toys here are for playing and sometimes they get broken. And the kid feels safe that this is the place I want to be. Even if I break the toys, no one is going to tell me that you broke it. And the difference with just words the kids feel safe and loves to go to that preschool and soon let the mother go and stays there because she feels even safer with the teacher, the way the teacher responds. So the first part was the ugly picture because he was afraid he, he wasn't good in drawing and he didn't like to draw. So he was just thinking in his head, if I draw, my drawings are going to be ugly. Do people know who drew and then feel safe. Okay, now we don't we don't even say who or the teacher says, you know, people draw differently here. So any any of these little things, you realize that how much a child is growing up with these sort of reactions from parents or from teachers, but in this way, this teacher's this teacher was so expert in responding. She could read the the level below what was being asked, it sounds like. Yeah, right, right. So let's just have another break and come back to continue our conversation. Dr. Rockers, and in today's conversation, we are talking about mentor and mentorship. And as always, when we start with a topic, there are so many other factors in one topic that we always jump here and there. And um, we um, are now continuing our the last part of our conversation. So, Dr. Rockers, uh, talk about your experiences with mentorship because I know we started with Dr. Andrade um, as someone who started uh, to work with you and appreciated you as a mentor. What other 
um, perspective of mentorship do you recall that you can share for our listeners um, if you think we benefit from that experience? For myself, I think that the reason I believe it's so important to do mentoring is because I didn't have one myself. It took me a long time to figure out the importance of doing such a thing. That's one thing. But then when I look back, I realize actually these mentors showed up at different times and in different ways, which I think brings up the most important point, which is we want to be open all the time to the unexpected appearance of mentors. We can also look for them. We can be prepared for it. When I was in graduate school, when I first started in graduate school, I was taking a class so that I could get into graduate school. And I met someone who was in the PhD psych program. This was at University of Illinois. His name is Walt Mercer, and he still practices in Texas. In that class, though, I got to, it became friends with him, and he was a mentor for me. He helped show me the way of how do you get through the program. And in fact, one night, we were leaving class and he asked me when I was taking such and such class. And he said, well, I'm not sure when this class is going to be, if it's the first year or second year. And he pulls out like an old envelope and on the back of the envelope, he says, oh, you know what? Your first semester, you should take these classes and then you'll be able to take in the second semester, these classes. And then in your second year, you'll get these and then these. And in about 10 minutes, I had my entire graduate school curriculum mapped out when I was going to take those. And I kept that through the whole graduate school. And guess what? It was right on. This was a beautiful appearance of a mentor. And I wasn't, I wasn't looking for it, but fortunately I was open to it and it was very helpful. I think look for somebody who can help you along the way. I say this to many people. And I think I said it earlier in the program, whatever problem you faced, somebody else has faced that problem. A lot of people have already faced that problem. And Some of them have been quite successful in how they surmounted that problem. And there are a lot of people, there are a lot of older people who have been through a lot of stuff and are happy to help others out with what they've learned. That's part of the life cycle is what we do as we grow. If you look at, I've mentioned Adele Shields' book, Skills for Success, and there she gives six skills for success, not just in business, but in life, if we want to become productive. And the later stages or the higher stages is giving back, giving back to those who, you know, mentoring people who may not know. This also is the same thing that goes into Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. So in the hero's journey, as Joseph Campbell lays it out, there are three main stages. Person is minding their own business in their life. An event happens, which is a departure into a new world. In the new world, they go through a lot of difficulties. They become stronger from the difficulties, and then they get the treasure and they return back to the known world. So the hero's journey is a story of growth, personal growth. We go through difficulties, and we, if we approach them the right way, we can learn from them. And then we move on, and that's the returning into the world. But that's not the end of the hero's journey, because the final task of the hero's journey is when they return to the world, they need to help others with what they learn. So it's that part of things that's so important. And that's the mentoring part, to help others with what you've learned. There are plenty of people out there with plenty of experience who are willing to help you with what they've learned. Key is, how do you find that person? How can I locate that person? We want to be open for that. You can ask, that's what Alex did. Alex made some phone calls when he came to see me 10, 15 years. 
and eventually made his way to me. Not everybody you ask is going to say yes, or we've got something, but they may, if you don't get the answer, then you can say, well, do you know anybody who might know? Yeah. And sometimes it's so hard to find the right person or you're in a situation that you have to go with whatever, you know, you find. As an example, when I was getting my PhD, I had um, an advisor who was absolutely supportive and helpful. And as you said, laid out my work and how I start working through my um, dissertation and everything. Uh, And he was absolutely great. But he had an issue with the head of the group that they had to approve my dissertation, you know, because you have an advisor, but also you have a team that they have to approve your dissertation. So there are two different things. So I was working with the advisor. He actually had issues with the head of that team and back and forth. They were fighting with each other. And I was in between. He was saying that this um, dissertation has to be this way. And uh, they were fighting within the foundation of how I have to start. And that I went through so many obstacles to finally get through my dissertation. And I just wanted to be done. I was so frustrated, so tired, so exhausted throughout this processes, because one was saying your dissertation is quantitative. The other was saying, no, this is not right. You have to do it qualitative because of this and that. So anyways, finally, because my advisor, I accepted him as my mentor, as my advisor. So I had to go by him. Otherwise, I had to just go through finding another advisor, which was very limited. Only we had a few. And then they were so busy with other people and other tasks. And I didn't want to lose this great foundation of work that he had laid out. And it was just working for me. And then the other person who was a woman who was new to the organization, was the head of the program and had her own team um, leading um, the dissertation to be approved by that team. So anyways, talking about mentorship and talking about these kind of stuff on the side, uh, sometimes you don't have these situations and you go through, you learn and you enjoy. But for me, was getting it done. I am just to a point that I want to say goodbye to this and get started with my life. And I went through a lot of um, back and forth uh, from this uh, situation. So, uh, you know, the, the way I was interpreting this situation was the ego was such a great thing within both of them that none wanted to give up because on the one hand the advisor who was thrown um, in many ways from the head of the department uh, wanted to fight with with her through me and was emphasizing that what she's saying is completely wrong for all the background they had with each other so you know what I mean it was just the the main mentorship and the main a reason was concealed with actually what they were doing with each other. Yeah, it was n- not a workable situation. People were using their masks, using you as an instrument to communicate their mask. 
and I knew it from whatever was happening. I didn't have a choice between the two. On the one hand, I had to present my dissertation and defend it through that team. And then on the other hand, this guy was my advisor and I had to listen to him as my mentor to go through this. So yeah, that was very difficult. So my experience with a part of my life was very difficult. That's why when someone says they're going through their PhD or dissertation, all of a sudden I feel that, um, you know, remembering of a hard situation I had. What was the learning that you got from that? Like, what would you say, what's that nugget that you would give to listeners? I would say when you fall into a situation like I was, just go through, be focused on your goal, because my goal was get through and get it done. um, Because I couldn't change any situation at that point. I was just um, without any, any um, power to do that because there wasn't any other advisor I wanted to be done by certain time because I knew life can bring so many things on the way that may prevent you from finishing up at a certain time that you have your goal for so at that point I didn't have any choice to deal with Um, I had to deal with this situation so my suggestion definitely is In life, many times we go through difficult times and not every situation is to our favor. So try to um, analyze for yourself. What what is my point here? What can I do to change it? And if you can't change anything, accept it. Accept it, be patient, work through, uh, be wise. Don't do anything to ruin your whole work for this last part of your goal. And go through it, uh, you know, because I didn't have any choice. Did you, at that point in your life, did you consult with other people? Did you ask me to do here? I did. Actually, I have uh, many um, acquaintances and people that I knew that they're professors in different universities and they have, they're doing same job. And their advice was, you know, be wise. Don't do anything to ruin your situation because you are in between, they're doing their own thing. And you be wise and don't even get into any of that. You just be very quiet, be very, um, you know, indifference between the two, because you need both of them. So walk through very wisely and don't react. Just try to work with them. Try to work with them. Everything I heard was try to work with them. That's the value of mentors, right? So you had several mentors that you could check in with on that. Yeah. And I'm actually, they were surprised of that because they usually said advisor is someone who helps you to get through. Why is this guy doing that? But then, you know, this is, this is the choice you have right now. Just be wise and don't ruin it. Well, this, the situation also speaks to your quality of persistence too. You know, I am recollecting a number of different stories where you were able to had a big task, you hung in there and you kept chipping away at it and made your way through it. Yeah. And the most, uh, I mean, people I talked to, uh, they all were not happy about what they heard because they thought that shouldn't be the way. 
but they said, okay, if you don't have a choice, then just go through um, very wisely. Don't don't ruin your goal because this is what you want and stay with it. Uh, sometimes you have to change some things because of this one. Sometimes you have to change because of that one. Sometimes you have to do different things. It was a lot of hard work for me, honestly, because I was doing it this way. Then when I was presenting to this group, all of a sudden, they had changed because they didn't like the way my mentor was telling me to do. So I had to change it for this group. Then I was taking it to my mentor because I had to, because I was working with him. He wanted to see my progress. And then he was looking at it. He said, no, 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 no. You have to change it. This is not right. Who told you that? And then I had to say, well, I took it to them and they said it this way. No, this is wrong. This is not the way you do it. You have to change it this way. And I would change it this I mean, it was just really crazy. And I was sometimes I would say, could you just accept this? Because they're going to approve it. I, I And I sometimes said, I understand that they're wrong. But can we just keep that going because I wanted their approval? It was just a huge, huge, um, yeah, difficulty at that point. That's why when someone, honestly, when someone says, I have to defend my dissertation, all of a sudden I go, do you have to go through that? (laughs) Well, here's another question for you then. What is, what did you tell yourself as you were going through it? Like, I'm interested in knowing your persistence in that situation and i'm sure it's the same in others but you must tell yourself something do you know what your uh, self-coaching message is what i was telling myself was um gosh you know i mean i have to think deeper with this question because because i was uh, so much into my goal that I wanted to finish, I was just accepting anything that was coming on my way. I was just, uh, you know, doing double work sometimes, uh, doing and dealing with frustration many times, hitting the wall. Uh, But then again, I thought, you know, maybe this is, uh, that's why not many people go through this level of work because probably this is the way it is you know well it's, it has to be self-motivated if you don't yeah. push it through it's not going to happen once you get in that level of a program so many things in life are that way right, right. right. if i have something i want to work on if i don't make sure and push it through it's not going to happen yeah. it doesn't happen. imagine if i wasn't too uh, persistent about getting through this goal that i had imagine if i um really could give up easily. I mean, really, I would have dropped it. And I don't know what would have happened next. Because I know, personally, probably wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm so thankful for whatever, even though with all the difficulties that I went through, I'm very thankful that I stayed with it. And I was persistent. I um, got through finally. I think that message that we tell ourselves, it's good if we can know it. I'm remembering back to a year ago when I broke my clavicle and it was like it broke in two places. It was pretty painful. And we were three miles away from the house. And I talked with Jan there and I said, well, maybe we could call an ambulance. No, let's just go back to that. 
and I could really not use my right arm, but what I did was once I got going on the bicycle, they knew it was a ways back, like three and a half miles. I just told myself, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. So that became my mantra in those situations. That's kind of what I was thinking of when I was wondering, well, what is your mantra there? And you may not have it right away. I agree. A lot of times it takes some time where to think about it. Well, what did I say to myself or how did I get myself through that? But to the extent we can know it, that can be really helpful because then when we encounter a similar situation, say that. Right, right. Well, there's always so much to talk about this. I hope our listeners uh, get some points from our conversation. One was that it takes um, a lot of um, openness, a lot of... um, trust with mentor and mentorship and on the other hand um, it is a lot to do with the mentoree also what uh, you know is your goal where you want to go how persistent you are in getting where you want to go so with that let's just have our final statements and let's just end our today's program i would say for mentees someone who's finding a mentor be open be open as you walk through life to find your mentor. And then for a mentor, if you are a mentor, what I would say is what we talked about earlier, which is receive people's opinions well, and you can also present alternatives. Absolutely. And I want to reiterate what you said, um, you know, openness both ways as a mentor and mentoree is a huge thing. And, and just uh, value each person as who they are and work with them through. Uh, I know we each are different. We see things differently. We act differently. And many times in life, we have to deal with a situation for a short time um, that we have to accept and go through because I know many of us may have a work situation, may have relation situation that um, it's difficult. But first, um, just think about you know, where you are, what you can do, and then next um, consult and get help. And at the end, if there's a situation, you can change it, take steps towards changing it. And if you don't um, have that option, and like what I shared today, you have to really be persistent with your goal and stay with it. If it's a short time and you know, like, for example, in six months, in one year, however it takes, I have to just accept, I have to work with myself to be persistent, to keep going and just think of your goal. So with that, I want to say thank you for listening to us. And I want to thank Dr. Rockers once again for this session. And we come back next week and we converse uh, about uh, any topics that um, we come up with on that day. Thank you and have a wonderful week. Sarnevestro
باید از سر نوشت شاید این بار کمی بهتر نوشت عاشقی را غرق در باور نوشت قصه ها را به دیگر از کجا این باور آمد که گفت گر روید سر بر نگردد سر از دل گل گل براری در زمستان در باران زیر باران گل بکاری گر بخواهیم گر نخواهیم باقی از کجا این باور آمد که گر روید سر بر نگردد سر گرچه سرد و سخت زیباست موج این دریا گرد پس سرگذشتم سر نوشتت سرگذشتم چه حافظ پای کوبان و غزل خان 
لشکر غم را به سوزان در فلک صفی نمانده این زمان هر بزن تا بی کرانه سرنوشت را باید از سرنوشت شاید این با کمی بهتر آشقی را غرق در باور نوشت قصه ها را به سیری از کجا این باور آمد که با گر روید سر بر نگردد سر نبه بسیمی از سر نبه بسیمی از سر